Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Gertie with me as usual. We'll be analysing the latest in the Premiership in URC, including more pain for Bristol and Gloucester fans. And Bristols. a big Leinster-Munster clash at the Aviva. We'll be dissecting whether Maro's off to France and chatting to Goody's favourite French referee, Mathieu Renault. Hello! So Hello, Mathieu. <laughs> Enjoy and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Are you going to speak like that when he comes on? I will a little bit, yeah. Is it rude to speak to him like that? That's what I want to ask him. I don't know whether I've got the bollocks to say, Matthew, can I speak like this? <laughs> <laughs> so let's just see. If I do, then you'll know that I'm an absolute legend. If I don't, you know that I've shit the bed and I'm just going to go, oh, hi, Matthew. Matthew, he's a good guy. I've been messaging him again. I remember going back about four years and I was like, oh, my French referees. Oh, my French refs. Mm. You were horrible. No, no, I was just honest. Well, being honest, Goody, and yes. being horrible, I'm going to start calling out some of your tweets or X's. Oh. Well, what do you call them now? Do you call them X's or no, it's tweets? Still Twitter. It's still Twitter. X's is like stuff you don't want to talk about. You don't talk about your X's. No, you don't. No, you absolutely no. don't. Well, I'm going to start calling some of yours out. And one at the weekend... I was going to say was an absolute abomination of a tweet, but it wasn't because I agree with you on this one. So, What did I tweet at the weekend? You're basically calling out a load of wrong You've said that people going to see Santa in November are wrong Was that the weekend or was that last week? That was about three weeks ago, pal. Well, here's the thing, right? Realistically, you've got to get past Thanksgiving before you can go and see Santa, right? And we're not American, but there's like rules and regulations around. I don't know. Christmas is starting earlier and earlier and earlier. You can't even start until the John Lewis advert comes out. Back in my house, it's like, I'm not a Scrooge, but I'm like December. I'm looking at things and it's like the 14th of and 15th and 16th of November. And I'm like, it's too early. You're wrong. And if you go and see Santa, anything earlier than the last weekend of November, I'll, no. I'll row back a bit. No, no, you can't. Don't go back because I'm going mm. honest okay. and horrible well, it just depends as well. how the it's first fall. of December. First of December. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm with you, Jim. I'm with you. But that's the thing, isn't it? So that's where we're at. It's nearly the 1st of December. So this weekend, in my house, everything's going up. 
Before we get on to the day and who puts the decorations up in your house, whether or not it's the chef, the nanny, or you actually bring in a company that do it, producer Rob said to me, and I'm going with him on this because we're burying the fact that people are celebrating Christmas or starting Christmas mid-November, which I personally think is absolutely ridiculous. But producer Rob said... He went to Centre Parks, took the kids. It was half price in November for the kids to go and see Santa's Grotto. So there is a cost of living crisis going on. I completely understand that. So I don't want to start saying you can't be doing this because if Santa is half price, as in he's getting into his rhythm, isn't he? Yeah. He's getting into his rhythm, ready to go big on the 1st of December. And we can't shame that. So producer no. Rob, he took the kids there mid-November to go and see Santa. The kids are like, they're all confused. They're like, is it my birthday? Is it Christmas? <laughs> is it Thanksgiving? What's going on? But In his defence though, Centre Parks, how expensive is that place? Ridiculous. To go and live in a cabin. Ridiculously expensive. Nice, but expensive. Is it? I've never been. It's not on my bucket list of things to do. But <laughs> a lot of people say how expensive it is. And I'm like, well, just go abroad or do something else. But yeah. Half-price producer Rob, that's what it is now. Yeah, smart. Actually, it's the northern in him. It's smart. Go and see Santa mid-November. That should do it. What have you got? A box of Lego and a colouring book. There we go. Love it. (laughs) But Andrew, in your house, who's putting up the decorations in your house? Have you got a company coming round that set it all up for you? (laughs) No. I was going to say I get the pleasure of the tree. It's the big debate. Do you get a real tree or do you get a fake tree? Mm. In your house, James? I think the fake ones because the branches are stronger and... As you know, having kids and stuff like that, whatever decorations you put on, you'll have chocolates from Harrods and all that kind of stuff just dotted about. When you've got young kids, you've got to go higher up the tree, haven't you? And the real trees, the branches start to fold down, don't they? So they start dropping off and the kids are pulling them and next thing it doesn't even look like a tree. It looks like a shit umbrella. (laughs) (laughs) But if you have fake one that look better, you can put the chocolates up and the decorations higher up the tree. The tree looks shit if you put it on Instagram picture it because only half the tree is decorated, but it's a functional and purpose-led tree in our house, albeit we'd love a real massive one. But this is the thing. If you do your Christmas decks and put the tree up in November, it's dead halfway through December, isn't it? So you've got to get another one. So don't do it or get a fake one. We have a fake one. Save the world, save the planet, stop chopping down trees. Rob made a great point. If you could have Christmas in November and you could hold out to the 23rd of December, Christmas trees are half price. The real ones, they're half price. <laughs> Feed them early. November, Christmas is coming. Bit of a quiet period. And then bang, you hit them with a Christmas tree, the 23rd of December, and advent calendars that are half price, and you smash them all in two days before Christmas. I'm go. going the northern route this year, Rob. Four kids. Like Scottish, so it's the same, right? True. So you didn't buy your trees on the weekend? No, mine will be going up this weekend and I'm working Saturday and Sunday, so I won't have much to do, I don't think. But uh, yeah, good weekend. How's yours, James? Well, I made the long ass trip painful. No, it wasn't painful because I came to see Andy Rowe. Thanks, mate. It's his last weekend. I'm going to say on earth because you're going back to New Zealand. It's last weekend on earth. So I came down to see Andy Rose for his leave and do in and out in a day. The flights were not delayed, which was good. So myself and gorgeous Chris... Trotting across town. We're in this lovely pub, an old pub in London called Your Cheshire Cheese. Your Cheshire Cheese, we were in. So we're in the, there's a The Cheshire Cheese and there's a Your Cheshire Cheese. Apparently, Your Cheshire Cheese is the oldest pub in London. So went there, Andy Rowe weren't there. So it's a completely irrelevant point. But he was in The Cheshire Cheese that his mate Riggs owns, the other weird, chaotic Kiwi. And it was good to see him for a few hours. I got thirsty, didn't I, Andy Rowe? Like I had a three or four, mm. then I was like hoping the flight was going to get cancelled and then it didn't. So I had to run. Yeah, at one stage, you weren't even going to make it to the airport. You were you were getting really... I'm not leaving! Yeah. Mm. yeah. 
Jim gave me a nice present though. Did he? So Jim was like, oh, I've, I've got a little present for you, Andy Rowan, like reaches into his bag, pulls out this white shirt and it was the Scotland jersey that he played against the All Blacks in. Oh, James. I know. That we beat the All Blacks in Andy Rowe. Did you beat them? I told you. No, I, I told oh. Andy Rowe. He was pissed at the weekend. He was like, oh, mate, thanks. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, we smashed them. Yeah, just to make the present sound better. Like, he won't get the blue one. He was only getting a white jersey. <laughs> so it was either the England under-19s one, or I thought, actually, I might never see him again. He keeps saying he's going to come back, but I might never see you again, Andy Rowe. So I thought, I'm going to give you a gift that you can remember. There was blood, sweat and tears on there, weren't there? Yeah, there's still some blood on it, mm. and it, it smells like Mall and Brawl. Yeah, it's got the engraving on it, so it says the date, the name, and then one thousand at the bottom. I was like, "What does one thousand mean?" Eight years he's known me, and he's he never knew that I was the thousandth. Did man you not know that? I had no Scotland. idea. James was the one thousandth player to ever play for Scotland yeah. rugby. Oh, I've got the tattoo. Why didn't you ask me? Eight years. I was like, oh, "You never said anything." I mean, yeah. how bad were the other nine hundred ninety nine before him? But. <laughs> Mate, there were some legends. <laughs> I thought there. you were going to say how bad are the rest Andrew. of his tattoos. <laughs> oh, oh, they're wow. shocking. Andrew, what cap number were you? I haven't got a clue. No, really? come on. And I generally don't know. I can find out, but I don't. Like, a thousand's a real cool number, isn't it? Just a shame it's Scotland. But mine's probably something like 1,165 or like a number that's just irrelevant. We'll get producer Rob to find out. There you go. 1,263. Giving loads of people gaps. Look at them. <laughs> yeah, giving loads of people gaps. <laughs> 1,263rd player to play for England. But Wikipedia also says that Goode has now become a fitness and lifestyle influencer after a dramatic weight loss regime and has posed topless on social media. You're welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You are welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Here you go. Andy wrote, apologies, I couldn't come. It's all right. You're busy, weren't you? I was at my mate's 40th birthday party on uh, Saturday, Jamie's, and it was a big one because it's his big 40th, but that's been in the diary for a long time. I was tucked up in bed by half 12. Oh, yeah, it was it was like a dinner thing. So we went out for dinner to a restaurant. There's twelve of us, which was nice. But I had to prioritise him over you, Andy, because you're fucking leaving us. I am. You all set for going home? That's it now. All set. Flying out on Thursday. I'll be home on Saturday. Surprising my mum and dad. So if anyone listening to this knows my mum and dad, don't tell them. They don't even know. They have no idea. That you're they moving know. back for good, or no. they know we're coming back at some point in the next sort of few months or something like that but we've been doing this on and off we've been kind of vaguely going home for like the last five years so we're kind of being vague again and then i'm gonna arrive at home and say i'm not fucking leaving there we go so pretty pumped about that pretty excited we're gonna miss you andy Rowe. i should say that when we handed over the jersey and there was that kind of ceremony if you like you got quite teary i, I don't do tears i get really awkward and uncomfortable in them kind of saying goodbye. His bottom lip was doing this a little bit. No, that's because I texted back and asked her if I could stay down and she said, no, you need to get back for the kids. That's why. <laughs> the lip was vibrating. I was like, I'm begging you, just let me stay. Yeah, we did do a man hug, Andrew Good, which you know I don't hand many of them out as well. So no. it was legit and authentic. I'm going to miss him. As weird as you are, Andy Rope, I'm going to miss you. We're going to miss I'm you. I'm going to miss you guys too. Gonna okay, too. right, enough for that. All right, okay, yeah. just leave it there. I'm also going to miss the premiership. Bristol had Saracens in a lot of trouble over the weekend. But another one slipped through their fingers. Yeah, it's not good for Bristol at the minute. They lost their last five games, but they were much improved at the weekend. Ibitoye, my God. Quick, powerful, carries the ball like it's a Satsuma. Like, just ridiculous. And listen, Bristol were a lot better. They're in a rut, as a couple of other clubs are as well. And we'll get onto that later. And actually, it's a massive game this weekend, Bristol against Gloucester. Not only because I'm doing it on TNT Sports, but because... Whoever loses that game is probably out of the top four race in this shortened season. And throw it out there. You look at what Bristol have done over the last couple of years with what Pat's been spending. 
He signed a seven-year deal. Is he under pressure, Jim? Oh, cheers, Andy. Cheers, mate. <laughs> you said he was under pressure last yeah, week. Yeah, he is. I think he is. I don't think anyone in the Premiership's under pressure at the minute. Not even George Skivington. And I say that because Gloucester have been so poor. We can get onto that as well. But I think the way things are financially in the Prem, but if any what club have got the money to change it up, it would be a club like Bristol. And you don't know what yeah. the agreement is with Pat Lammett, but with the money and the opportunity he's had with that team and again I've kind of flip-flopped a little bit on Bristol because I've only looked at their headline players that they've had over the last couple of years Semi Radrandra, Charles Piatow for example, Sione Piatow, they've brought Genji back, Carl Sinclair actually you look at the makeup of their squad should they be doing better? Yes. Yeah well the answer is yes but if you take away them players which we now have to because they're not there the likes of Semi Radrandra and Piatow, then where are they as a squad compared to Saracens? And that's based on this weekend. Faz didn't bring his kicking boots, so if he did, then it would have looked very different. But the way that Bristol play, the club, can I see them getting rid of Pat Lamb? They would be maybe the only club where they would make changes because they haven't had huge amounts of success and there's been a few question marks over Pat Lamb. But I like Pat Lamb. I like Bristol as well. I think yeah. we need a good Bristol team. And they were definitely going in the right direction, but they've definitely fallen off over the last 18 months. Do you know what balls back to? When they lost that semi-final against Quinns. I think they finished top of the league, mm. lost that semi-final when they were 28 nil up or whatever it was. They haven't recovered from that. And as much as you deny it, there's clearly a a bit of a mental scar there. And off the back of it, there's got to be pressure on Pat Lamb because if you're... Steve Lansdowne and he has shelled out a lot of money and obviously a lot of clubs now are posting their financials on how they're doing and yeah I agree with Jim money's tight so depends on how the contract's written but he's a businessman a very successful businessman and whatever you're investing in you want return on investment and he's not seeing it at the minute you know it was the big thing about getting them into the prem and then making them competitive and then they made the playoffs and it's been down ever since. So ever since he signed that seven-year deal. But I, I do like Pat Lamb. There is issues there in terms of, you know, maybe squad depth, a couple of injuries. But the reality of it is, if you're at the supposed richest club in the country with an owner that's one of the richest guys, then you've got to be in the top four. You know, if they don't make it this year, then you've got to ask the question. So that's what we do. We ask questions and Jim says, get Pat Lamb out. Why are you saying that, Jim? Oh, you're Jim, horrible. I'm not. No, I'm saying that Bristol will be one of the most sought-after club for coaches. And you think of the All Blacks coaches, for example, that are now out of a job. I know Dave Rennie's coaching in Japan as well. But I think if you were to look at the Prem you wanted to get in, Bristol would be high up the list of a team that any coach probably would want to coach. But on Saris, they play a quality brand of rugby now. We've seen the evolution, and we said it last week, it's being pushed by Farrell. Jim said it, he's left his kicking boots at home. Can you imagine the conversations? Hey, Faz, you've missed six out of eight. Give someone else a go. Can you imagine? No one had. I saw Elliot Daly's interview after the game. Someone asked him, Oh, did you ever, you know, go over to Faz and say, Do you want me to take over? And he was just like, No, no, no. I can't <laughs> add any value to that conversation. <laughs> so, but Faz was good, like, scored a try. They got a bit of luck, Saris. The pace the game was played at was hectic. It was a brilliant game. Had a bit of luck. Obviously, there was a goal line dropout at Faz's court, and then he's gone to ping a drop goal over because he's left his. Goal kicking boots at home. He was thinking, I'll get a drop goal instead to make up for it. That gets charged down, falls straight into Theo McFarlane's hands, and then they end up scoring a crucial try from Tom Willis to basically put the game to bed. But Sarah's a class, powerful. The rugby they play now, the layers of attack, 
it must be poles apart from when Jim played because decoy runners handling the pod system, balls out the back, the shape, the width they put on it, the high energy, high tempo game, they're class to watch. And you know, everyone's favourites, I think, probably going to win the title. And they're playing up to it. They're great. And Marrow, oh my Marrow. You, you can see when someone's out of contract, can't you? Because the boy's on fire. He is on fire. And it's good to see from a rugby perspective and also if you're an England fan as well. Because Marrow's been operating at 60%, yet he's probably been the second, third name on the team sheet. So to get him back up to that level again, whatever his motivational driver is, is huge for Saracens, of course, but huge for England as well going into the Six Nations. Would that be the tipping point if he does go to France for selecting overseas players? I don't think he'll sign for someone else unless he's got assurances that something would change. And it comes down to a decision. What is the difference financially? And careers are short. What's Mara now, 29? It's crazy how fast time goes, yeah. It'll be 28, 29. So in reality, he could only have three or four or five years left. And you have to. If, if a million euros gets stuck in front of your nose for three years at Leon, which is what I've heard, you have to look at it seriously and then work out what your drivers are. Is it money? Is it the fact that at the minute he can't go to play in France and play for England? Is that law going to change? Is there going to be an Atoji law or a 50 cap law or something like that that changes? Because as we've seen, there's no Prem games now during the Six Nations. The seasons you're hoping are going to come to a point where there's no rugby during international windows in the Prem or the top 14 or whatever. A lot of it comes down to that release. A lot of it comes down to his desire. Does he want to go to the next World Cup? Does he want to go on a Lions tour? And if you sign for Lyon or whoever in France at the end of this season on a million euros or whatever it is, what's jeopardising that in terms of your England career and possible British and Irish Lions tour? So You still go on the Lions if he was... Yeah, you can. You can go on the Lions tour, but it makes it significantly harder if you're not playing international rugby because you know in this day and age yes they used to do it previously on the old school tours they'll take a non-capped player and there's cases where boys have not been playing international rugby yet still got picked the game's moved on very fast and if you're not playing we saw the difference in the world cup between test match animals test match level matches and then we're back in the league system now it's a huge difference so it makes it harder for him but of course, he could play for the Lions. But again, you give up your opportunity to play for England as it stands. And we don't know in the background whether Steve's working exceptionally hard to change that at the RFU level, if it's something that's going to be written into an agreement with the, the new professional game agreement that's going on. So I'm presuming Marrow's summing all these things up in his own mind. And at some point, you've got to make a decision. Saracens have made their decision that Faz is going to be their marquee player. And here's a contract that we can afford you on under the salary cap. But... He's got big decisions to make because at the minute he's a very valuable commodity to any team, especially playing the way he is. And between him and Faz, they would be the only two players that would move that Atoji or Farrell or the Gitto law in that England squad. They're the only two players that will move that dial. So I'd like it to see it be moved. I think it just opens up the opportunities to have Henry Arundel. There's talk of him at Bath, potentially, that are interested. Henry Arundel can play in the Six Nations because there's a special dispensation around extenuating circumstances. So Jack Willis was allowed to play last year because Wasps went bust. He signed a deal with Toulouse and he's re-signed with Toulouse. So now Jack Willis can't play because he chose to then stay in France. But Henry Arundel, because London Irish went bust, he signed with wrestling then he can play in the Six Nations how weird's that well take Joe Marchant Joe Marchant signed for Stade Francais at the end of last season and he signed that deal when Eddie Jones was in charge because Eddie Jones told him I ain't going to pick you so he's taken a decent deal at Stade Francais 
Obviously, Eddie gets the sack. Steve Borthwick comes in. Joe Marchant was brilliant at the World Cup. But he's not available in the Six Nations because he signed for Stade Francais off his own back, leaving Harlequins. It wasn't a case of something big and bad happened, like a club going bust where you've got no contract and that's one of your only options. So, yeah, it's a, it's a funny place to be in. But Henry Arundel scores more tries for Racing this weekend. Hell of a finish. Pick him, Steve. I did speak to one player that said Steve Borthwick didn't ever watch the top 14 last year. And it was like, what? You've got players there that you can pick because there was a couple. And a certain individual told me, uh, Richard Cockrell, that Steve didn't even know <laughs> um, that players were playing in the top 14 that were no. available for England. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. So Steve was like, you need to watch a certain Zach Mercer, you need to watch a certain Jack Willis now. And he started watching top 14 rugby. So there we go. Hope he's watching. Hi, Steve. Well, speaking of hitting across the channel, let's have a chat now with a good friend of Goody's. French referee Matthew Renau joins us. How are you, mate? On that note, Andy Rowe, Matthew, hello. Are you really friends with Andy Good and how has that bromance and relationship come about? Because he, he won't stop talking about you, which is a rarity when it comes not to referees, but also French people. Yeah, exactly. And maybe not the only ref he like, because he likes all the ref too. He's a good friend with the Brace, with Bracey. But I may be the only French he likes. So, so. No, I'm friends with Mathieu Bastereau now. We had a beer together in Dublin. No, but when, when I start to ref, I think it was my, my first game of Top 14 was in Brief in 2009. And Goody was in Brief, I think, between 2000, during two years, maybe two seasons. Yeah. So so I start when I start to ref in Top 14, he, he, he was already here. So I'm happy to see him again. And he was very kind with me after Australia and New Zealand. So he just gave me text about what's happening in, in Australia. So, so now we, we, we keep in touch and, and I'm happy to invite him. In. So thank you very much, guys. And me, am I invited anywhere or can I join the group chat? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> you were playing when I broke my leg, no? In 2013 in Montpellier. Uh, you, you were here. Yeah, that was right. And you were smiling. You were happy. Like, <laughs> You're horrible, man, Jim. <laughs> I, was, I didn't know what happened. What happened there, Matthew? Just explain what happened there. A guy falling on my on my leg, and because my leg wa- was broken after I fall on the ground, and I think all oh, my energy go to my leg, so I broke my shoulder when I when I hit the ground too. So yeah, I finished like like if I was under a truck. I know. Well, on that, I saved your life, Matthew. So you did, you've not watched the video, but I was the one that dragged you out of the war zone like platoon. Like it was me. <laughs> I saved you that day, Jim. You're in the sin bin already. <laughs> Yeah. He'd already given you a yellow card, probably. <laughs> I ran back on because I knew that I needed to do something positive. So, Matthew, add me to the group, please. <laughs> Mate, it's great to have you on. Obviously, you know, we've seen a lot of stuff around referees and the World Cup in your home country and, and what's happened with Wayne Barnes, who I know you're very close with as well. He's retired now. How tough has it been a referee at the minute? Obviously, when you are a referee... Criticism is your travel companion since the day one. That teach you a lot about yourself, about human nature, about what is important and about what is not important. So then you have, you have to deal with that. And me, my trust, I trust a lot myself. So and my trust in, is not built on what people think about me. So as soon you think about that and you stay away about what people think about you. It's not a tough job. It's 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 a great job. I love my job. It's really uh, wonderful. So I never have the impression to work. But if you start to think about and to chasing 
thumbs up on Facebook or, or followers on Instagram. And, and if you try chasing the love of the people, of the fans, you can be in trouble. It can become really tough because outside the rugby community, I think people are, are very, very tough with referee on social media. So if you try to avoid it, it's very simple. If you try to facing it, it's very difficult. And I think it's really unfair how about referee are treating at the moment. If you take the, the example of a kicker, for example, uh, you say, but this kicker has 93% of success and uh, it's a great kicker, he's a great kicker, 93% of success. I never heard people say, yeah, this guy got 7% of failure, you know? And that's exactly what happened with the referee. We... At the top level, world-class referee have maybe 90 or 95% of right call on a career. But every people uh, on social media, they're targeting the, the, the 5% of failure you have uh, in your call. Never speak about, okay, this guy, most of the time, is, he, he make the right call. So that is a little bit complicated. But honestly, if you stay away about what people think about you, it's a great job. I, I love my job. Let's talk about that Australia versus New Zealand game because that was a massive decision. And as you know, and as Jim and I had a big debate on here, I completely agreed with everything you said. Bernard Foley wasting time. You gave him enough warning. You turn it over. Scrum, All Black score, the winner. Andy Rowe was really happy. Jim, I, was, I also agreed with the decision. I thought yeah. it was a great decision. But the backlash on that was massive, wasn't it, from the Australian public? And you're in Australia... How hard was that for you? And the bottom line is, everyone heard the audio. You were dead right. Yeah, but when I make a call, and when I, particularly when I have time to make a call, so this call, I have one minute to make it. I warn the player maybe four or five times. So it's because I'm convinced uh, that is the right one. And after, I can understand uh, some people will, will be disagree with me, but I trust in what I do. I trust in my process. So after that, what's happened, what happened in Australia? Yeah, obviously the press, it, it was a storm. You're, you are in the middle of the storm. So I delete all the apps on, of my phone and, and then I tried to focus on myself and my team to have a good time and to stay away of, of this noise. I will not go in social media, in press, try to convince people that I make the right call. I just feel good with what I did. And after, if people are not agree with me, okay, happy days. But me, I'm happy about what I did at this moment. I think it was important for, not only for, not about this game, but important for our sport to say, okay, to have a line and to say our spot will not cross this line. So that 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 was important for, for myself. I think referees in rugby especially have the toughest job, Matthew. I'd love to hear your thoughts on, because I want to talk about the bunker and we want to hear your thoughts around that. But what would you have? What would be like an immediate thing that you would have to improve the game as a referee? Is there anything that would make your lives easier? As a referee, I think... The, the first thing can make our life easier is to not try to waste time to uh, avoid errors of referees. For example, in the under-20 championship, they put microchip in the ball and you, you have a computer tell you if there is a forward pass or if the throw in is not straight. We put the bunker in place because they don't want the referee to take a big call and to take too much time to take a big call. They want to avoid that and to say to a guy's, who have eight minutes to take make a call. 
Mate, you can put drone uh, computers, sci scientists in, in, in a white jacket around the field. At one moment, you are just a, have to understand, you will have fans, coaches, players, everybody. You will have to face the error of the, of the referee. So if we say, okay, we will educate people and we will try to learn how to accept the error of a referee, we will win time, we will win energy, and we will win money. So that's my view that can make our life easiest. If we start to, to push the, the people to learn that we can have errors. Because I refs in 20 years, there is no game, there is no game where I didn't make an error. So I make error every game, okay? That's a good start to understand now. If we want to make our life easiest, we just need to accept that. On that bunker system, do you agree with it? Do you want it to continue? Because obviously it was in the World Cup and you know we're now back in the league system and coming up to the Champions Cup as well. It's not in there. Do you, do you want that sort of thing to carry on or is it something that you, you sort of dead set against? I will not decide if they carry on, yes or no. But the only thing I, I can say is I think the bunker can be useful for, for some reason. But we have to practice it for understand where are the borders of the bunker. We have to know exactly how we can communicate to the fans, to the people, to explain decision, because that is the most important. If we don't do that, the bunker can be a weakness for us. That, that's my view on it. Our biggest strength in rugby is the mic we have on the referee. You can explain the decision. You will not convince all the people, but they understand the way you use for arrive to the final decision. And that is so important for people. If you send a situation in the bunker, they come back to you eight minutes after telling you, okay, that's a yellow, that's a red or something like that. And you say to the people, oh, this situation eight minutes ago was a, was a red. Okay. And you lose people. Our sport is, is really complex. It's really difficult. If we cut this relationship with the fans, we will lose a lot. When you're going into these big games and you've got different characters like Owen Farrell, like Johnny Sexton, like Dan Bigger, Jamie Ritchie, we had him on last week as well. Do you have to look at their kind of characters and the way that they lead their teams? Because that's becoming more prominent, how players and how leaders speak to referees. No, but because I have a big character too. So so <laughs> I'm not, I'm not uh, when I go uh, to, to ref uh, Johnny or Owen or Dan, they know me too. So maybe you can ask the question to them and you face a big character like Mathieu, how you prep. So that that's the same, you know. I don't feel weak against this guy. I always work uh, with them. They respect me. I respect them. I trust them. They know exactly what, what I expect from them. So I'm not really disturbed by that. Who was worse though? Was it Sexton, you. Farrell? Me? I'm oh, sorry. Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no they're, they're, honestly, there is no help. They are good guys. They are good guys. And I'm sad to not ref again Johnny Sexton, for example. You know, he finished his career. And, and after the World Cup, that, that was one reason uh, I was really sad because I ref him many, many years with Highland, with Leinster. I like him a lot, never have a problem with him. I'm really sad because um, it's, it's mean that I'm, I'm close to the end too because all the guys I ref, I saw them retreating, so now it, I'm closer to the end. 
than from the beginning, you know. Yeah, no, you've still got years left in you, mate. Last question for me then, Mathieu. As referees, is the one law that you want to change? Is the one law that really the refs don't like? Is it, you know, the tackle that ends up being a maul and the turnover to the opposition? Is there something that you change? One thing in the law, so important for me, it's the law of the substitutions. There is too much subs and they arrive in the second half so that cut the flow of the game. You know, you have you have 20 substitutions in, in, in the second half. So honestly, if we can have less substitution for rugby, that, that will, on my view, create more space, you know. So that's so important. And the second one is not a law, but if we can swap just the November window, if we can play it in the south. There we go. And the June window in the north, in the summer, that will be great because... I spent the last 10 years in the winter. So, so. <laughs> How's Luke Pierce always got a suntan then? Injectables. Yeah. So that the two things I will I will change if we, if we can. Mathieu, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. It's been class. Thank you, Mathieu. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. Merci, Mathieu. Merci. Good man. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bon Mech. Top lad. Bon oh, sorry, Mech. top lad. Yeah, yeah. Bon, no, Bon, bon Mech. Mech. Yeah. yeah, Bon Bon Ami. Uh, he's a good bloke. He's a good oh. bloke. He's my only French friend, pretty much. But yeah, it's great to hear from refs. And he was... You know, he's had some stick. He's been through a torrid time, breaking his leg. I can't believe you went on and put him on your back, Jim, and carried him off when you played I put him in the recovery position. I did remember <laughs> yeah. it. Actually, when he says it, I do remember it. It was a long time, 10 years ago. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Horrible. I remember watching tough, it. Tough life. Tough life being a ref. But you say a tough life, there's significantly tougher jobs. The whole stuff around Barnsley was very negative, but I always look at it like this is a societal thing. It's not a rugby thing. It's something that needs to be addressed far further up the chain. And it's a really tough thing to manage, isn't it? So All I know is, he's my friend. How about you guys giving it the big one, saying you're going to talk like this when he we came did. on? I said, no, 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 no. I said, hi, Matthew. Oh, uh, you slipped hello. it in there very quietly. Hello. didn't hear goodies. Yeah. I said, no, no, no. <laughs> no, it's good. It might, it's good to have him on. It's good to get a bit of French flavour. Referees. And he said, he's my friend, so... I have one French friend in the world. Interesting around the substitutes because that is a topical thing. And it's interesting to hear a referee talk about how stop start. And I imagine in the second half when you're in your flow, you've got the rapport with the players and the substitutes are coming on and off. I've never really thought about it like that. I do wonder whether there'll be shifts around that. And I don't know anything... He said, she well, said, rugby. speak happening? to Bill, get it done, Jim. No, no one's speaking to me. Speak to Alan. No one's speaking to me. It's all gone quiet. It's all so quiet. Yeah. Five straight defeats now for Gloucester. It's not looking good for them, is it? No, it's not. No. And you've got to call it how it is. <sighs> Who did you want to win first, Jim? Who did you want to win? You know what? Me and Ravo, me and the Slug were talking about this because... Slug's left the building, though. Well, there you go. So if Slug was still at Gloucester, he'd be like, I'm Gloucester till I die, even though deep down I know he's Leicester till he dies. But we had this chat on the phone last week because Ed Slater, which it was played for the Ed Slater Cup, we were talking about Slates, like who does Slate support? Is he Gloucester? Is he Leicester? Yeah. He was the first premiership transfer with the Johnny May situation, the Leicester-Gloucester going back. So we were talking about that, like who does Slate support? Because it's the Ed Slater Cup. We know that Slate now lives in Gloucester. And I think there's a part, and I didn't, Bravo, I'm not going to quote you on this, but he mentioned that he thinks deep down that Slate's is still Leicester till he dies, even though he got traded. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and I don't know whether you've got this because we played there during the glory days with the legends, and Ravo's exactly the same. I just think once you're Leicester, you're Leicester till you die. There, I don't think there's many people or many ex-players that are not Leicester till they die. I don't know how you are, yeah. who you are. You've got the Andy Good suite. So in answer to your question, I love Gloucester. I've got some great mates there still. But I think, gun to my head, I reckon, three, two, one, I'm going Leicester. Leicester. Yes. So, but you were, you were Gloucester Skips, though. I was Gloucester Skips. <laughs> <laughs> I was Leicester Skips as well. Monday Night Football you were, yeah. But we had the best time ever. Yeah, we did. We had the best time ever. My memories there as a young lad are just, they make me smile from ear to ear. I don't talk about them too loudly in front of the messes, but I <laughs> just keep it under wraps. Do you ever drive around? Right, I do this a bit, right? Because you do a bit of driving on your own. And sometimes a memory comes into your head and you just have a, a big old chuckle to yourself. Playing glory days. Wow, mate. Mm. And I think back to some of the stories and Jim's involved in a fair few of them. You must have a catalogue of stories yes. that when you're feeling a bit down or you're like on board or whatever, just go through the memory bank and a lot of stuff you couldn't even talk about or do now, but how funny was those days? Unreal, unreal. And that's what Ray was saying about Slate's going to go and see him and like they just go through the archives of stories. Yeah. Like they just start telling stories, which you have. Anyone who's been to Leicester just have a million stories to tell, don't they? It's just that kind of place. I don't know how... Loose it is now. I'm sure it's very, very, well, I know it's very, very different. But yeah, so for that game, there was a lot more on it, a lot more emotion. Slates is best mates with Fraser Balmain. 
tight head prop. How old did he play? Lewis Ludlow as well. Unbelievable. So the, there's an emotional driver for the Gloucester players because everything that happened around Ed Slater happened while he was at Gloucester. He was skipper. So a high emotion game, and I kind of feel that it might have got the better of Gloucester, but then it comes down to now, and we know this, and you know this looking at other teams and tournaments, emotion before could take you a long way in rugby, and it could take you all the way in some big matches, but now the game is so much more than that, isn't it? I reckon emotion is maybe half, whereas before I'd say it was 80%. And you do wonder whether that emotional driver going into the game got the better of Gloucester, Slates his kids coming out with the Ed Slater Cup and everything around that. The captain, Ludd's as well. But I don't think it was. I think it just comes down to quality. Yeah. And I just think, I look at the Gloucester squad, and yes, I know there's a few injuries in that. And then I look at the Leicester squad, they're just better. And that's what it comes down to. And I watched Gloucester, I didn't watch it thoroughly, but I watched it enough to see how many errors they've got in their game. And for Leicester to get a bonus point, and especially how they did at the end of the game with a charge down kick... And you just saw the energy sapped out of Gloucester. You wonder how this season's going to look for them. They fell off last season. I can't see where it gets better for them this season. No Billy Twelve Trees. He's now gone to the big one, Ealing Trailblazers. So there's some big characters in that team that are not there anymore. But when you skip it by someone like Lewis Ludlow, you know that they've got that dog. They've got that see you next Tuesday in that squad. But Leicester are good. He's an inspiration, isn't he? Yeah. Mate, he's a proper Gloucester man through and through. They've got players like that in the squad still. They have. But I look at their team, Goody, and I'm not going to name the players because I'd be really harsh to do that. But some of the guys over the last couple of years who were their best players, they've had injuries, like they're aging athletes. It'd be so easy for me to go from 1 to 15 and actually name drop the players. And in your mind, you'd be like, yeah, you're right. Played a lot of rugby. They're over 30 years old. They've got a lot of miles on the tank. The experience in key positions as well. The fact that they've not got their marquee playing. There's a few things that you could say around that, but it's an interesting time for all the clubs like we've said. But Gloucester, I want them to do well. Hey, I've got my Christmas party on December 19th down there with the Gloucester lads. So hopefully, turn, well, if they turn it around before then, I, I've got to, haven't I? But yeah. how's that going to be? Well, it's not with the old boys, but quality club. But again, you look at Leicester, question Andre Pollard two years ago. What are you on about? I know. Idiot. Absolute idiot. <laughs> that is the big thing. So where Gloucester, as you just spoke about, have been struggling a bit with injuries, marquee player not there, injured and all this stuff. The influx of the internationals back to Leicester and they had a tough start. You mentioned Pollard then, world class, controlling the game. And it wasn't a sparkling Leicester performance in attack, but they're slowly getting better. They're feeling more comfortable. You've got to remember that all the changes that Leicester have had. And I think Andre said it after the game in the interview, right? And I loved it because he was saying, look, Dan McKellar's come in, changed the coach, he's just changing the way he wants us to play more. Basically saying that, that all they used to do was kick and chase under Steve Borthwick and Wiggy a little bit last year. But it, it takes time with that. And you bring in Jasper Visa, who carries to the cowsheds and back week in, week out. I think he's one top ball carrier in the Prem for the last three weeks Really, in, in each game. He made 20-odd carries this weekend. He's come back in. Andre Pollard, two World Cup winners. Montoya's back. I mean, it looked like Jim Hamilton was throwing the line out one time. <laughs> Did you see that line out? He'll never throw a worse line out in his life. But just you, the presence of like those three, Ben Young's four, Freddie Stewart had a worldie of a game, I thought, at fullback. Really opened his legs out, made 154 metres, ball in hand. You add in that stardust for Leicester coming off the back of the World Cup and 
Yeah, Andre Pollard and Jasper Visa have won a World Cup. There's frustrations from Ben Youngs. Montoya will be a bit frustrated about how, you know, they did really well Argentina, but you know, they got absolutely hosed in the semi final and then lost to England. So there's different drivers from those boys. And they've had some brilliant players come back into the squad. So Leicester got on a roll over the last two weeks, beat Northampton. It's momentum, isn't it? Like there's no momentum with Gloucester at the minute. But if they go to Bristol this weekend and win, that changes everything. So Leicester were good. I love Catter comes off the bench. But I'd start him at 12 every day of the week. He was at Exeter last year. I look at a Tongan boy or a Samoan boy or a Fijian, mainly Tongans and Samoans. But do you know what I love? Is they always have their hair perfectly done for the game. They have the, the dreads done and whatever it is, the corns or whatever it is. And then I remember going back to speaking about the Tuolangis and I spoke to Henry Tuolangi once and he's had his hair done before a game. I said, how long does it take to do your hair? He's like, bro, six hours. Six hours. Six hours sat doing all his hair properly where they go into a, a proper barbers. And all I'm thinking is looking at Kata going, he's had six hours in a chair and he's coming out and he's running over people with his quads. So Leicester are starting to build momentum. And, you know, Dan McKellar's saying those sort of things around him, improving and becoming more comfortable. And Andre Pollard said it. The last thing always to layer on is attacker, but they're getting more comfy in how the identity of the team is being found and there's always the old school Dan Cole comes on and the scrum was under pressure wasn't it like Fraser Balmain scrummaged ridiculously well for a 43 year old man and in the first half I'd say that Gloucester had the upper hand at scrum time and then you bring big old Coley on and uh, things change and so they've got a good balance at the minute Leicester play Newcastle this weekend which will be 60 points sorry Rob sorry Newcastle my old club but it wasn't a do or die game for both teams but we're now seven games into the Prem and it's an 18-game season. So as weeks go by, if you don't get a win, you're going to be hacked. And Leicester have got to continue that momentum. And Gloucester, it's do or die this weekend for Gloucester and Bristol, I think. Just finally on that big shout out to Ed Slater and also yeah. TNT as well. And Ali for doing the interview and stuff. Hell before. of an interview. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. So... Sometimes you forget, don't you, when you're caught up in the, the carnage? Well, I don't forget, but sometimes it's easy to forget yeah. some of the challenges that people are going through off the pitch and Ed Slater's is there in the public domain. So I just want to say a big thanks to everyone that got behind that, shared that, and just to let Slates know and, and everyone involved in the MND community that we're always there with you and thinking about you. Yeah, I watched that interview and I sent him a message, actually, because he actually said it was only just over a year ago that I did that bike ride that mad bike ride that you boys did. Mm. And it's just, it's heartbreaking to see it, isn't it? But it shows what a cruel disease MND is and you know how hard he's trying to fight it. But until we get a cure, we need to keep raising money and awareness, don't we? Yeah. Did you do that bike ride? Didn't you jump on there for a little bit? Oh yeah, about three miles. That was old Goody. That was old Goody, yeah. No, I did a yeah. bit, I did a bit. You did enough to get a picture <laughs> on social. That's all that matters. <laughs> I felt part of it with the Gloucester boys. There was plenty of ambition to score tries on the weekend between Saints and Quinns, wasn't there? Friday Night Lights. Mm. I mean, you were getting a bit of stick on social media, weren't we, Jim? Oh, what's happened? I... Well, there's some absolute helmet oh, going on about. Oh, 1v2, Sale versus Bath should be on the box. I'm like... That ain't our oh, fault. I saw that. Yeah, you guys were copping it. I blame Jim. Hey, boy, hey my fault. Well, World Rugby, just blame something on yeah, something. Yeah, blame on me. Someone. Just email me. That's what everyone else is doing. <laughs> Don't give my email address out. Not hard to find, though. <laughs> yeah. But it was end-to-end stuff. You know, two teams that love chucking the ball around. And the reality of 
that Friday night. How good the Quins look without Joe Marler, Jim? What do you mean, retire him now? Oh, good. Where was he? Well, he's on OnlyFans now, so he's busy <laughs> doing that. Yeah, banter. Yeah, great. I'm on OnlyFans. Um, oh, great. But it was an exciting game, and uh, Northampton, we say it every week, they are bloody exciting to watch. I thought Hendy at fullback. I met his mum the other day, Hendy. Uh, hang on, hang on. Not in that way, James. She was in the no, Andy Goods. Not in what way? Not in what way? Well, I don't know what you're thinking. You're like, hang well, on, hang on. Yeah, just just pause Lovely for woman, thought. actually. She was in the Andy Goode suite before the Northampton game. I went over and said to, over the mic, hope Northampton get absolutely smashed today. But George Handy plays exceptionally well because his mum's in the room. Hey, hell of a big ginger unit, isn't he? Why, why, why are you saying ginger? Why is ginger? Why does that have to come into Descriptive, it? James. Okay, what? fine. Okay, no, that's I've fine. I'm asking, I, yeah. I, yeah, but I, okay, that's fine. Was well, he a ginger or not? <laughs> Well, people do say, here comes the big, dark and handsome hunk with a full head of hair when I come <laughs> no, over. They don't. To you? No, they don't. No, not to <laughs> me, no. No. I hear them saying it. It's not about me. But yeah, I mean, it was a brilliant game, I thought. Perfect Friday night football. Two teams on a brilliant pitch. You look at that Franklin's Garden surface, it's been the best rugby pitch in the Prem for years. Offloading galore. Furbank. My goodness. Ten. How, I never have seen him as a 10, Really? Until now. A good player, mate. I know we were all over Finn Smith the other week. I did not know George Furbank could bang like that. Did you know he could bang like that? I didn't know he could bang like that, but I knew he was a very good player, whether it's fullback or 10. Yeah. Because I spoke to Vesti a couple of times about him. I'm like, mate, I always thought James Grayson was a really good fly-half option for them, but he couldn't get a game. And Sam Vesti, so I messaged him, he's like, mate, Furbank can play at 10 as good as anyone else. And obviously they've signed Finn Smith from Worcester after Worcester went belly up and Finn's done a great job. He's out injured this week. And when they released James Grayson, I'm like, either fair play for releasing him because he's not getting enough game time, but then they must have decent other backup options and George Furbank proved that not only is he a good-looking boy, he's got a hell of a moustache. Great touch. The boy can bang. He's got Esther Hazen run that. And now Esther Hazen's probably the biggest 12 in the world at the minute. And he's banging him. Banging him. Proper banging him. As in not just once or twice. Yeah. He is spot blitzing, banging him. He's chopping yeah. him. I'm going big on George Furbank because I was watching, I was like, this kid is not only brave, technically very, very sound as well and looks a yeah. million dollars. Yeah. I met his granddad once actually at a dinner. Good bloke. There you go. You're meeting everyone at these dinners. Maybe I, maybe I need to start doing dinners. Does yeah. he? The yeah. great Furbank. The offload for Cole's try was class... Slight home on the wing. And I watch Slight home plays just like his dad, runs just like his dad. On that, I can't get Slight home out of my head because of the Jonah Lomu game. <laughs> I was just <laughs> thinking the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. Slight, Slight home. home, I can't. I'm sorry, Ollie, the son of the great John Slight home. Sorry, Ollie. There's only one. And that I'm going to blame the Jonah Lomu rugby game, game for that. that as was. good as you might be, are you skinning people on the wing on Jonah Lomu? You're not because you weren't born. <laughs> Give it a slight and press the button, the, the extra speed there. And, yeah, there Double go. tip. That's a huge Gary Owen. Yeah. He scores two. I thought, you always question Saints' defence and Matavesi makes 20 tackles. Hell of an effort. But Quinns will be frustrated. They gave up two cheap tries and in a tight game like that against a team that loves to score tries, two cheap tries, two errors, one line-out overthrown and Ludlam ends up scoring in the first half and then just before half-time, Danny Kerr gets absolutely mugged and pickpocketed by Alex Mitchell. Ball sort of shoots out the scrum. He does well to score that. So they gave up two tries. That's what will frustrate Quinns. But they played some pretty good stuff as well at times. Not only did 
George Furbank look a million dollars. I did pick up something else on social media. Did you see Andre Hesterhazen going at Courtney Laws? Yeah. And Courtney Laws that didn't even flinch. That's when didn't you know you're hard. Didn't even flinch. That's did he? when you know you're hard. Yeah. I'm not putting myself in like as in oh I flinch, but I flinch. Someone does yeah. that to me, I'm like heads, <laughs> heads going back. Courtney Laws, yeah. you should look it up. It's a sign of greatness as well. Remember when Kobe Bryant did it? Someone tried to do it with the basketball to his yes. face. Yeah. He did a exactly sign the same of thing. greatness, Andy same Rowe. Thing. Yeah. If that is your last line that you leave us with, Courtney Laws Thank will you. be happy with that. One of the greatest yeah. players that's played our game of our generation. And if that's what greatness is, that's what we saw. You mentioned Furbank's moustache before, lads. Yeah. There's some good moustaches and some iffy moustaches would be some shite ones some embarrassing <laughs> ones that's right there's some pubes there's some pubes on a lip and there's some actual proper mo's there's November. some horrors it is it's really interesting watching the evolution of the moustache and for the people that are listening you can't see me but the lads can good, what, thank you well that's what mm. I was going to say I didn't want to talk myself up too much but, but you do anyway it's a lot of growth a lot of growth over a long time and you're now watching the evolution of man if we stick with the premiership First and foremost, because that's where we're seeing a lot of the moustaches. There's a few dotted about in the URC, but there's some great ones out there, like Johnny Mays, for example. I yeah. saw that 10 years ago, and it was a little yeah. bit of bum fluff. Now, it's like he's got a ferret under his nose. He has. He spent time wet shaving it, just deliberately wet shave, wet shave, and it grows and it grows. Exactly. He's like, in 10 years' time, I'm going to have a proper one. Yeah, so there's some good ones knocking about. I mean... Henry Slade's looks good. Always looks good. Yeah, the breath is pretty bad, though, even though he denies it, but... Imagine the breath coming out, but he looks good with that tash. Very good. Furbanks is quality. I mean, I don't want to say a couple of us started the craze of crazy moustaches, but you know, mine back in the day was, was pretty good. Played against Cardiff that day. You say good. I mean, it was an absolute horror. It was a shocker. <laughs> and maybe that is good. Maybe these yeah. uh, this handlebar S. Lewis Ludlow's got one. He's got yeah. a similar one to yours, but it wasn't, or it isn't ginger. Yours was very, it was almost like a bit white. Well, Reddy Brown, Reddy Brown. Reddy Brown, Reddy Brown yeah. is the one. But it is Movember, so there's a good reason and good causes why lads are growing the moustaches. I don't know what they're doing in the women's game if they're growing them as well at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> one I do love, I'll be honest, I love him as a bloke. I love him as a player. Give me a hint. He's a beautiful specimen. Give me a hint. He scores tries. Oh, so yeah, a lot of the wingers have got them. Is he at a club that I don't like? If I say yes, it's obvious, yes. Caden Murley. Caden Murley, yeah. Good bloke. Is his, is his I had good. him at an event not so long ago. There's a lot for loose heads as well. It looks a million dollars. We put a video up last week of him having his hair done. He's got a lovely tash. It just likes, it suits some boys. Some boys look shocking with him. And you can see it's like, you're just doing it for that. He could carry that off all year round. What do you like about it? Just like the depth on it. the Dark. Like how clean shaven he is. Dark, dark makes a big difference, doesn't it? Dark makes a huge difference, that, and that's what I mean. Like I said, I flip flop back and forth. A little bit coming down the edges, so it's a bit of a dirty tash as well. Yeah, I like it. What do you mean dirty? He looks good with it. I'm interested in this because my idea of dirty is like Callum Chicks, for example, like as in old school, bit dirty, bit kind of porn star esque, if you can say well, that's that. That's twenty twenty three. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. That's why it's dirty though. That's dirty. Yours mm. is a proper old man slug, right? My dad had one of those when I was growing up. And it's like old school. And then when you have a little bit, like you cut a bit in at the top and it just comes down, looks like a bit of a Mexican bandito porn star. It looks good, mate. It looks good. That's what I call a dirty tash. There's slugs, old school slugs like yours, Jim. And then the odd little dirty one that looks really good porn star-esque. You could be an 
80s porn star with it. So, Kane Murley. Yeah, but you, you flip flopping because Kane and Murley, I don't think back in the porn star days they were that dark. I think they were just a bit fluffy and a bit horrible. <laughs> so, Callum Chick style. But I like that. It's like the working man's tash. Yeah. Who's got the worst then? Oh. Ollie Hoskins. Ollie Awful. Hoskins. Yeah. It's just. Farmer. Too much hanging over the lip. But yeah, he's like, I don't care. I don't care what it looked like. I'm doing this all year round. Yeah, it is bad. I'm going to go. Finn Smith's awful. Just because he can't shave yet because he's too young. I've got to be honest. Lewis Ludlow's, I don't like it. I see what you're doing, Luds. The Hulk Hogan. It's just... Ooh, controversial. Yeah, I know. He looks I like it. But we talked about Luds earlier, right? And how much of a inspiration he is for... He's a proper Gloucester man. That's a Gloucester tash. True. If you went into the shed, you'd see people rocking that in May, in February, any months of the year. Yeah. Like that is a Gloucester tash. And he if you're walking his... into Audi or Lidl in Gloucester, no one's yeah. flinching. Like that's <laughs> like, right, just a nod. That's, that's the norm. That's the norm. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. You're with me. We're the same. And if you are growing a moustache at this time of year, Mullen Brawl, Jim, you put that stuff on your face? Yeah, you can put it on your face. Yeah, because we've got a beard or Andy Rowe. Yes. So a big shout out to all the maulers and brawlers. It's becoming a thing now. Any fucking chance? Have you still not got yours? <laughs> I mean, logistics aren't great at that company, are they? Because... No, well, we're working through that. So if there's anything, <laughs> it is logistics and distribution. So Beck, sort it out. <laughs> She's not very happy because we had about 100 orders last week. So my what I'm trying to say for that is I'm trying to show humility with that. But a big thank you to everyone that has ordered the maul and brawl. Becky might not feel the same, but it is sent with love. Becky, uh, he's in trouble. When he says Becky, he's in trouble. Rebecca, no, Rebecca. But she knows it. She sees the value because we're, not only is it a caveman pack and a modern man pack and if you're stingy, you can buy one. It's a community we're building here, Andrew. Yes. You are a mauler and brawler. I want to smell it. It's based on my scent. Yeah, I am the only one to have not tried it yet. Which is what? What's your scent again? Dark honey and tobacco. So for anyone who wants a bit of mauler and brawl ready for Christmas... You can go to moreandbrawl.com. The code is RugbyPod or Big Jim 10 which what, Andrew? Roll with me here. What does that code get you? Gives you 10% off. Yes, it does. So whether you're... Mauling in the office or brawling in the streets, Maul and Brawl, it's for you and your loved ones this Christmas. Maul and Brawl, for men that maul. And women that brawl. The state of the game in Ireland looks all right, doesn't it? 50, oh, it does. Thousand people at the Aviva for Leinster yeah. Munster. Unreal. I felt compelled to X about it, tweet about it, whatever we're going to call that, because for all the struggles in the premiership, and I say struggles, we keep saying that, we're almost highlighting something that isn't really there because on the pitch it's great, but Ireland, my goodness me, absolutely thriving. 50,000 at the Aviva for one of the biggest derbies, I'd say in the world, I'd say the Leinster-Munster derby match is as big as it gets, and my goodness me, did it deliver? Hell of a ding dong. I hid in the toilet for an hour watching it last night. Get away from the kids and all that stuff. Working. So I'm going to hide in the toilet. My ass was killing me afterwards. What a game. Yeah, worth it. Fully loaded Leinster team. Munster going into that as champions, remember, of the URC. They did them in the semis last year, didn't they, up there? Yeah. Loads of talking points going into that game. Goody, Rossburn, Jack Crowley. Yeah. Rossburn looked like he ruptured his bicep, didn't he? In the tackle on Craig Casey in the corner. Yeah. It looks like he'll be out for a while, so we wish him well. But I love the look of Jack Crowley. I know Munster didn't win the game. It was close, but everyone's talking about who's the next 10 for Ireland. For me, it's Jack Crowley. And I yeah. feel bad. I hope Ross Byrne's injury isn't too bad. I love Ross Byrne, but I, what Jack Crowley brings, and I know, again, I sounded like Munster won the game. But that was a kind of side note going into that game. No Johnny Sexton, of course. He'd retired. He was in the stands. but He's on the pitch with his son. Yeah, yeah. He was, but how do you feel that 10 jersey? I think they found one in Jack Crowley, but 
quality game. Munster, a few, a few cracks. Scrum, not that strong. And Leinster, when they actually opened up in the second half and they went through the gears, looked phenomenal. The game was all around best attack Leinster versus best defence in Munster. Leinster scored three tries. Munster already scored one, but nothing between the two teams. So I was impressed. Munster's defence was class at times because Leinster chucked the kitchen sink at them. But watch Munster's attack as well. Like the layers of attack, the options. Zebo, me old 40-year-old. Hell of a line. 48 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he went off injured as well at the end, bless him. But yeah. It was banging, wasn't it? You know, the shape. Let's not forget, Graham O'Rountree, head coach. The layers of attack, and you're going back a couple of years to what the Munster fans were watching under Van Graham, and they were so despondent with it. I thought Frisch in the centres was great. The shape on the game, it was a pleasure to watch it. And seeing how many people are in the Aviva, the passion in that rivalry, and we had the Premiership derbies the week before, didn't we? But you know, both teams, and as Graham O'Rantry said afterwards, that gap, Leinster have dominated for a while. Even though Munster won the URC last year, it's always been about Leinster. That tide is turning and the gap has closed and Munster could have won it. Leinster obviously had a bit too much in the end and you know some of the senior internationals really stood up. But Tyburn, offload, costly. Yeah, I know. That was a costly one. It played very well. That'd be horrible. It played very well. But the niggle in that game as well, I always find that really interesting. We've played in them derby matches, but they've just come out of camp, I'd say, just a few weeks ago. And you see Andrew Porter going at Craig Casey, the rivalry between... Gavin Coombs and Caelan Doris, of course, the two eights. Bit niggly. But yeah, a few big talking points in that. But for anyone who's not seen it, the quality of rugby in that match was international standard. And rugby in Ireland is absolutely thriving. And I love that. Jim, Edinburgh struggled against Benetton, but Glasgow looking good. Yeah, Edinburgh did. I say struggle, they lost. So Did you yeah, go? That, that is a struggle. I watched it. I didn't go. No. Got no fans. No, stayed at home, watched it in the warm. It's like minus five degrees. To go. I'm getting old, getting old now. So need to keep the the joints warm. But on that, fair play to Benetton. Yeah, they look very, very good. Stuck in there, dominated early on. The story around Blair Kinghorn leaving, going to Toulouse is big news here in Scotland. And Benetton, massive, massive win for them. So yeah, Edinburgh got a bit of work to do really because they've scraped through a couple of games and losing at home to Benetton on paper doesn't look great. But Glasgow, top of the table, top of the log. Yes, yeah, great. It's really, really good. All the talking around Ali Price going to Edinburgh and then George Horn gets injured. Sean Kennedy steps up at scrum half of Glasgow. Really good. Nice balance. Under Franco Smith, I'll be honest, I wasn't sure whether Franco Smith would be the right fit for Glasgow. He came in like a bull in a china shop in his first year, did really well. A couple of hammerings against Leinster, I think it was, and a couple more, but... Under the pump a little bit against Ulster in the first half. Ulster have been good this year. Flew out the blocks, didn't they, Ulster, into a big lead? Yeah, they did. It shows you, as you know, the mindset and the culture of a team to be getting smoked at home like that from the start and to be able to come back and find that balance. Andrew, like you were saying, we were talking about it off air. Good team. You think about some of the players that Glasgow have got now, internationals. You know I'm a big fan of George Turner at Hooker. Although Johnny Matthews on the bench is looking like he could break the all-time try-scoring record of From anyone Sedgley ever. From Park to Rotherham to Glasgow and records. That boy go. scores tries. There you go. Obviously, they're from half a metre out and just plops over. I'm not, I'm joking. Well, I'm not, not joking. They are. I'm not being horrible, but I just want to give it a little... top try-scorer ever for Glasgow. I know, but I just wanted to give it a little bit of context. But Rory Darge, Matt Ferguson, Jack Dempsey, you know, I'm a big fan of him as well. 
Stafford McDowell, tall, rangy. He needs to come off the hour, come off the man now. See only two Pilotto, Cancellari on the wing. So they've got some quality players. I like Tom Jordan at 10 as well. Yeah, Tom Jordan's a good player as yeah. well. So there's some quality in there. But I think it comes down to the coaching and how cohesive Franco Smith's got them. So it's important that we have Scottish teams doing well. It's good for the tournament as well. And Glasgow. Top of the um, league, pal. Top of the league. We. No, they. We. They. they you're not we. Glasgow, mate. You're Edinburgh. No, it's we until we get to Christmas. And then the derbies between Edinburgh and Glasgow come in. And then I'm hashtag always. They'll be class, those games. They'll be class. Shout out to John Cooney as well. A thousand points for Ulster. Yes, unreal. The first man to do it since David Humphreys. So um, he had the haircut on point as well. He was going to get a thousand shaved into his head, apparently, but he bottled it. <laughs> well, that's ballsy to do. Cardiff had a good win. Should we mention Wales teams? Yeah. We'll get onto a few of them in the good, the bad and the ugly. But Cardiff had a good win against the Stormers. It wasn't the full Stormers. It was the half Stormers. But to win at home, Friday night, I thought Mason Grady was outstanding. And that's a big win for them because Welsh rugby in the URC, they can only seem to beat each other. They don't normally beat any other teams, maybe the old Italian team. But yeah, massive shout out to the Cardiff boys. Matty Sherratt, the old coach there. Good lad as well. And also a little bit of content for you, a bit of interaction. Apparently it's been content. pulled off some platforms, uh, geo-blocked and all of these things. And right, so we can, not my fault, it's not my fault, but really good. He was mic'd up for the game and the interactions around that, I think I saw it on BBC Wales, Ellis yeah. Jenkins and when the, the substitute come on, he's telling him around the line, I ended up scoring. Love that kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm a big fan of Ellis Jenkins as well. And again, I mentioned the Scotland teams being strong, wanting them to be strong. A lot of, not hate in Wales, but a lot of question marks over the regions. Yeah. And against a big South African team, like you said, the Stormers, not fully loaded, but won it a couple of years ago, the Stormers, finalists last year. So regardless of that, John Dobson, saw his interview after, he's not Ape. Not so Ape. They've, they've not travelled well, targeted the Cardiff game, but very good, very impressive, as were the Ospreys. Yeah, they beat the Scarlets, who are nearly as bad as the Dregs, but... We won't talk about the dregs, will we? Sharks, boys. Evans back. He ran another one in from 20 metres, didn't he? Prefer his lid like that as well. I like his yeah. lid. A bit shorter. He looked like he'd lost a bit of timber. He looked fit and... Like, you only played in the World Cup about three weeks ago, pal. But... What do you mean he looked... Oh, you mean he looked fit as in not that he didn't look fit before. He just looked no, fit but he still. just looked quick. And I'm like, go on, boy. That's what a World he's Cup massive, does massive, to you. massive. Obviously, he's massive for them. For World you Cup love him, of the year. You know what I mean? I do love him, yeah. All right, well, let's finish things off with the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, let's. We're going to start off with John Cooney. First player to score a thousand points since David Humphreys did for Ulster. So, big shout out to him. Benetton get a big shout out in the good. They won 24 22 at Edinburgh. We just spoke about that. Props to Jacob Umunger as well at 10. Thought he was class. Johnny Matthews and Glasgow get a shout out in the good. Johnny Matthews for his two tries from Sedgley Park to Rotherham to top of the URC with the Glasgow Warriors and try scoring records coming galore. Uh, he's now Glasgow's fifth top try scorer in history. That's uh, a big shout out to him. He scored seven in six as well. Seven tries in six games. What a record that is. South African teams, well, some of them get a mention the good. They're back in the good by the Stormers. The Bulls, the Lions and the Sharks all had massive wins. Cardiff get a big shout out in the good. Their big win at home versus the Stormers. 31 points to 24. I say big win. Big win in the context of getting a big victory over a big team, not by the scoreline, but a great win for those boys. Mason Grady was brilliant. Exeter get a shout in the good. Their first away win in 13 months. And we're going to mention Emmanuel Feiwaboso. What a try that was after 40 seconds. Tell the shotgun fan that. The speed, the power. He's rinsed them on the outside. Is he Welsh? Is he English? Let's hope he's English. 
Pick him, Steve, just for the crack. Damien Pinot gets a shout in the good this week as well. Four tries in the first half of his debut for Bordeaux. Uh, it was only against Perpin Poo, but still, four tries. He was flying in that first half. Sale get a mention in the good. It wasn't a particularly entertaining game, but George Ford slots a couple of penalties to win it. They're top of the league. Tough team to beat, Sale. Big, physical. They've got some quality players. Luke Cowan Sickey's in the mix. They're top of the league. Played 7 1 6. A massive shout out to Sale Sharks, fans, players, everyone involved in the club at the minute because they are flying. What else was good? 50,000 people at the Aviva for an absolute humdinger between Leinster and Munster. As Big Jim said, if you've got a bit of time, flick that on, have a watch. It was an outstanding game. So, massive shout out to. Munster and Leinster, all the fans and the 50k at the Aviva. Poo, I mean Poe, get another shout out in the goo. They're doing well, Poe. Top of the top 14. They absolutely spanked Stade Francais, 30 points to six at home. Big shout out to Dan Robson and Joe Simmons as well. Those two are flying in the top 14 at the minute. So well done to Poo, I mean Poe. But the goo this week goes to the Gloucester and Leicester boys and more specifically Ed Slater. Brilliant to see his interview and see him smiling down at King's home. Uh, hero of a bloke, the Slater Cup, the Ed Slater Cup was on show. All the boys surrounded him. Two of his old teams, load of his old ex-teammates. That photo with them all on the pitch afterwards was spine tingling. What an inspirational bloke Ed Slater is. So the good this week goes to Gloucester, Leicester, the Ed Slater Cup, Ed Slater himself and the scenes that we saw at King's home surrounded by his mates. So uh, good stuff, Slates. The bad, few bits of bad. La Rochelle get a mention of the bad this week. They got their pants pulled down at Racing uh, on Sunday. Montpellier get a mention of the bad again this week. They lost at home to Oyanax 26-21. They've now played eight, lost seven. So Bernard Laporte's come in, Patrice Calazzo come in. Bernard's brought a bit of corruption, no doubt, and uh, they're not winning. Talking of Bernard Laporte, he's going to get another mention of the bad. Australia came over to France, played in August this year, and in 2021 they had an agreement that that game... Australia would get paid $1.1 million or something to that tune. And the French Federation have only paid them 100000 because there was no contract signed. It was a verbal handshake agreement oh, between no. Oh, no. Bernard Laporte, the old corruption, and Australia. Where's the fucking Chiefs. money? Where's yeah, the money? So the Aussies are chasing a million dollars that they probably need to pay off Eddie. It's not as if they don't need it, no? <laughs> well, they need it. They need it. So basically, Bernard Laporte has gone back on a deal via the French Rugby Union and all this stuff. So he gets another mention for corruption in there. What else was bad? Gloucester get a mention in the bad. Five straight defeats, unfortunately, for those boys. Bristol, the same. Five straight defeats, they get a mention in the bad. Zebra get a mention in the bad. 61-19 defeat at the Lions. How are your skid marks? The Scarlets are going to get a mention in the bad as well. 31 points to nine defeat to the Ospreys. But the bad this week, it's going home, boys. The bad is going home where it belongs. The old dregs, the oh, dragons, no. got to have it again. I said on Twitter, didn't we, Jim? I said they're taking 50 to my old Sharks boys, but no, no, no. The dragons, the dregs, they're back in the bag because they took a 69-14 pumping at the Sharks. Absolutely pants down, skids on show, back in the bad boys, awful. And that's why the dragons get the bad this week. And then the ugly, one bit of ugly from the weekend, Teddy Thomas. He gets the ugly this week. A clothesline on Nolan Legarek. Red card, look pretty bad. Who gets sent off at their old club when they go back to play? All the, the players game? getting sent off now are the ones that want Christmas off. You know that, yeah. Andrew. You know yeah. the December Reds, they used yeah, to call it. Yeah, December Reds. But who gets sent off on their first appearance back at their old club? No one. 
Oh, I Andrew. Did. Andrew. I, did I was going to say, yeah, Andrew. Yeah, Andrew. I, I, I was going to say, there you go. Back you said it. Say. Teddy Thomas, you get the ugly this week. Thanks, Scooty. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Robin. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure that you've subscribed on Spotify. We're in the army now. Rugby spot. We're off tomorrow. I cannot wait for the army. Spot a pod, 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 pod. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.